Thought Creators, the podcast for financial experts brought to you by FAB. Welcome back to Thought Creators, the podcast that takes a look at the issues impacting the world of finance, but looks at them through a very human lens. Brought to you, of course, by one of the leading banks in the region, First Abu Dhabi Bank. Now, my guest today, I am super excited to get into a conversation with. Anybody that knows me knows that mental health and well-being in the workplace is hugely important to me. So can I introduce you now to the newly appointed Chief Wellness Officer of First Abu Dhabi Bank, Diego Carete. Diego, welcome to Thought Creators. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. It's an honour. Now, I am really, really excited to get into this conversation, but at the top of every podcast, we always look at some of the headlines that are floating around in this space. Um, we recently saw, and we were talking before we came on camera, about the new Deloitte report that just dropped uh, just last month. So we're in, you know, we've, we've just shifted into a new month. But it was called about the workforce imperative, the well-being of the workforce imperative. Now, to sum up for the audience, basically it kind of found that programs, pay rises and perks don't necessarily work with workers and employees. They don't engage. In fact, almost two thirds of employees don't engage with them because either they're too cumbersome or they don't feel that the culture allows them to engage with them. Um, it kind of call to action. It's call to action was leaders need to have a shift in their thinking and go back to culture to then enable um, better well-being in the workplace. I'm guessing with your new job title, that gels with you. What's your helicopter view of this new research? Well, that uh, research was very interesting indeed. And I've seen uh, plenty of research done in the recent years by McKinsey, PwC, Deloitte. And in this case, what caught my attention was that uh, people were not engaging, employees were not engaging. And that um, to me means that the employer didn't really know their employees enough. And that uh, is important because you need something for everyone. Uh, there's no one-size-fits-all approach. That's why one of the main goals for this year uh, with FAB is to create a wellness survey that caters to the different demographic, psychographics, and wellnographics as well, which essentially are wellness indicators. Now, once you know your audience, once you know your client, once you know your employee, you can cater to what they really need because sometimes what you think they need is not what they need, if that makes sense. So that caught my attention. Uh, maybe is that companies are um, not really doing their research before implementing. Um, they're not intentional enough with their actions. I think I would say that's something that caught my attention. You mentioned a couple of companies there. And what fascinates me about this, so this is a new report that's dropped by Deloitte. Um, very recently, I was talking about the report by McKinsey, which that looked at, I think it looked at Qatar, the UE, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. And that found that 66% of employees were struggling with their mental health. We look at um, EY, we look at PwC, we look at BCG, um, all serious workplace institutes that are now telling companies well-being is completely vital to their sustainability moving forward. So we've moved beyond, you know, woke, bleeding heart liberals to this actually being a fundamental of business. Um, I, 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 you've literally just been appointed by FAB. So how does your appointment as chief wellness officer um, speak to FAB's uh, feeling that indeed its people are the key to its sustainability moving forward. Yeah, in this case, it's a clear statement. It's a sort of translation 
um, of FAB values into acts, into a tangible form, into a, a structured format. Again, as you said, one of the first companies in the region. And he's making a clear statement saying that the employee comes first and their health is uh, our first priority. So that's sort of the mission, uh, make people healthier, give them the tools and resources so they can um, make themselves accountable and give them the resources to, to, to get into healthier lives, physically and mentally. So if our employees thrive, our companies thrive, do you think we've now kind of crossed that point, crossed that inflection point with all this, you know, like McKinsey and Deloitte, they're there to tell companies how to make better profits, how to be better companies. And often, if you treat your people right, there is genuinely an ROI. Do you think that conversation's now gone from wellness being a tick box exercise, a nice to have? Is it now a business imperative? Yeah, um, going back to the point where uh, now wellness is intentional. That lack of intentionality is what led it to um, basically initiatives not being effective. And this intentionality now uh, is what's a priority for companies and has to be, is no longer a good to have, it is a must have, in fact. And just very quickly, I'll touch base on something that um, I've read recently as well, and is the principle of reciprocity, which essentially means that if you do something good for somebody, that person is more likely to do good back to you. And this doesn't apply necessarily from leaders to employees, but from peer to peer as well. So if you join the company and we care about your health, we have one initiative that is the ergonomic initiative that we will go into detail later, where I'm, as a colleague, I'm helping you to arrange your workspace, now you have made a friend. Now there's that principle of reciprocity that starts from the get-go and that just is like a snowball effect that you know, just creates such a strong um, community that drives the company forward, right? So, right, I'm going out and buying a packet of mints. Um, right, come on, let's let's talk about you a little bit more, Diego. Then, give me, um, you know, in tweet format, give the audience just a little bit of an idea of your background, your Marvel superhero origin story, if you like, uh, leading up to your recent appointment, and then let's learn a little bit more about what you actually intend to do in your role as chief wellness officer. Got it. So as you can see, I, I love talking, so I'm going to try and keep this brief. It's a podcast, that's what we're here for. <laughs> All right. So um, I started in, in wellness and fitness uh, 14, uh, no, when I was 14, so 21 years ago. And uh, I was a very skinny kid and you know, I started going to the gym and that evolved into the person that I am today. Although my academic background is mainly in business, I studied in different universities worldwide, such as ESIC, ESIC FAU, Florida. And once I finished my degree, I basically was going to go into a, into a, just a, a job, a finance job. Or, but I knew so much about wellness um, that I decided to merge sort of my expertise with my passion. And that's um, how everything started. I got to Dubai in 2015, didn't have 
pretty much uh, nothing lined up. I ended up founding my own personal training business um, with a few colleagues. After that, I did corporate wellness for quite some time. A private client hired me for his uh, set of companies. After that, the pandemic came. I launched FitLife, which is my brand. We serve senior executives worldwide through an online coaching system, through the FitLife system. And then is when uh, the opportunity came with Fab. I still have to pinch myself sometimes because it's just such a big milestone for me, and I'm very honored. I'm very grateful to the organization, to the group CEO for the trust. Um, and this is where I'm standing today, uh, looking into basically give the tools and resources and the knowledge to people, the means to become healthier, happier, and to be able to allow them to take care of themselves, which shouldn't be a privilege. It should be something that everyone should be able to do, right? But we live in an era where there is an overflow of information. You go into Google now with ChatGPT, you can go anywhere, and you find so much information. Now, who is going to help you decipher that information? Who is going to tell you um, what route to follow and most importantly, who is going to help you throughout the implementation? Because I believe we don't need new information. We need better implementation. And that, um, my goal as an individual, as a chief wellness officer, is to enable people to become healthier and give them a route, a path that not only suits their goals, but their lifestyle as well. Because if I give you the perfect plan, perfect diet, macros, mi micros, everything is perfect, but you cannot follow it, then th it's not going to work. So adherence and sustainability in the long run is, is one of my key sort of goals. So and we talked earlier, you know, with that Deloitte kind of called out that impact of culture on, t you know, on employees and how they then engage with the whole well-being, wellness conversation. What is the responsibility of leaders to lean in to their own well-being as well as their own team's well-being? That's a very good question, in fact. You see, wellness is very broad. We will discuss the five pillars um, according to FAF's vision. I'll give you an example. You're, you're a father. You, I you, am a father, yeah. yes. Yeah. <clears throat> So am I. So imagine Which that is you're why I've lost my hair and I look absolutely <laughs> shattered. I'm, I'm on the way. But yeah, just put yourself uh, in a situation where you're sitting on the couch and your daughter is, or, or your son, daughter, uh, is um, around and you say, hey, remember, you cannot eat um, on the couch. It's very bad for you. You shouldn't do it whilst you are munching on um, or snacking on the couch. Well, it, it wouldn't sound too congruent, right? So there's the principle of congruence. You have to be um, aligned with the message that you're sending out. So as uh, leaders, as heads of department, it's um, um, our responsibility to, to lead by example. And this doesn't mean that you have to go to the gym. This doesn't mean that you have to um, comply with, you know, it, you have your own right to do whatever you feel. But to enable and uh, to at least comply with some of the principles of the strategy because people look up to you in these positions, right? And, and you are their hero in the corporate setting and sometimes, you know, in, in, in their lives as well. And I speak, you know, from, uh, from a personal perspective. So if that person is, you know, leading uh, by the right example, um, you are more likely to follow through and, to, and, and, and you automatically understand that what their vision is, and you want to be aligned with with your leaders. So I think it's, it's, it's important, it's fundamental in, in one way or another. 
um, doesn't necessarily have to you know mean that you have to go to the gym every day because wellness is is not about that but yeah it's they, they play a key role in in, in leading uh, this strategy now all the data tells us that we are working very very hard in this region and you know one of the drivers is that is because there is so much opportunity and there is so much that we can achieve in this region given the economic opportunity that the UE has created um, from that perspective what do leaders get for themselves and for their companies when they embrace you know wellness and better well-being techniques not just like okay so I'm the CEO and I'm expected to um, you know, lead by example and thus help you know cascade this through a company but just from their own individual performance what is the impact of wellness on leaderships on c-suites um, when they lean into well-being in whatever way they feel they want to engage with it well, there's many things that I could share. One of them would be emotional resilience, the, the ability to manage people better because you are in this sort of um, parasympathetic state, which is the good branch of the central nervous system where you make sound decisions. Um, another thing would be productivity, um, which would lead to uh, fulfillment. Another thing would be focus, which would lead to clarity, which would lead to, again, productivity, improved you know, results. So it's just so many things where I believe that wellness is the clear pillar that is going to enable uh, these good things because with so much going on, with a lot of, not in the C-suite maybe, the, but maybe in other roles within the company, there's a lot of shi shiny objects, right? As an entrepreneur, I also live that on a daily basis. So keeping your focus um, is, 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 is a superpower. Tell me about it. I mean, again, I'm an entrepreneur myself, and sometimes you can be like a squirrel, like, oh, no, 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 you know, you don't. Sometimes, yeah, you can lose focus. Um, <clears throat> oh, the other thing I kind of wanted to ask, I wanted to kind of come back to something you were talking about earlier, because you mentioned five pillars of wellness um, previously. Um, unpack those five pillars for us. What are they to start with? Top level, what are the five pillars? First one, lifestyle management. Second one, Exercise in no particular order, by the way. Third one, nutrition. Fourth one, ergonomics. And fifth one, mental health. Okay. I'm going to, considering my background, I'm going to ask you to start with the last one. But unpack what each of those pillars uh, needs and offers um, for a company that embraces them. So starting with mental health, why is that so important? Why is that one of the five pillars? It's one of the five pillars because um, when we look at health, we understand physical and mental health, which are interrelated, right? So if we're addressing physical health with exercise, we must address mental health through different interventions, whether that may be um, a breathing initiatives to regulate your central nervous system. Um, that links as well with lifestyle. So with the uh, morning or evening routines that are going to allow you to regulate your um, central nervous system once again and think with more clarity, um, positive thinking, allowing ourselves to be present. There's different initiatives that are going to start with a behavior and then they're going to translate into the environment. And mental health is one of those in which we want it to stay because it's uh, pretty much, if not our first priority, is one of the things that nowadays with everything that's been happening in the recent years in the world uh, cannot be taken lightly and it has to be given the um, 
the right importance, the right tools, and the right support. Okay, let's drill into the other fours then. So um, you said lifestyle. Yeah, lifestyle uh, lifestyle management. Um, is it aligned with our vision? Is it aligned with my goals? Um, most of the times we sort of self-sabotage because we fall into different habits that uh, we know that they don't s serve us. We still do those things. Um, and as Bob Proctor says, um, human beings would literally um, triple, quadruple their results if they if they did what they what they knew. So there's a clear knowing doing gap, and that's what we're trying to clear with lifestyle. So if you know that watching Netflix, as an example, is not a good thing to do until 12 because you're going to wake up tired, why do you keep doing it? Then it's a clear pattern that needs to be rectified or we need to take action on that. And with the lifestyle interventions, we are going to allow people and allow ourselves to break through those unhealthy habits that are sabotaging and stealing our progress, our growth, our happiness. Okay, uh, so we got to mental health, we've got lifestyle. Nutrition. Yeah, nutrition is a, I wouldn't say a tricky one, but it's one that needs a lot of attention because nowadays, Everyone is a nutrition coach. Everyone is an online coach. Everyone is a fitness coach, especially in this region. It's very important to um, decipher that information and to basically bring different experts, not just myself, bringing people who are actually going to enable information that is not on Google and is a clear um, evidence-based and uh, research-based. So our employees, our colleagues, our peers can just look at that piece of research and follow through without getting distracted with all the information that can come up on Google with the latest trend, with the latest uh, diet, fad, whatever. So, Okay, so mental health, lifestyle, nutrition, number four, pillar number four, tell me about that. Ergonomics. Ergonomics. Ergonomics is one of the key milestones for this year. We are uh, bringing uh, an ergonomics they tell you that going to the gym is healthy and it's great and you should do it and you might be working on your posture, mobility. Now, you do that for an hour. What, what, what would you say is a, is a good number of sessions for, a, for anybody to, to undergo on a weekly basis? Just a number. On my personal experience? or uh, okay, no, Overall, uh, overall. I would say three to four, shall we say. Okay, so that's, uh, let's say, four, right? Four, four hours a week. Now, if you spend just... Eight hours, five times a week, it's 40 hours seated. Um, how can you possibly, you know, sort of overrule the fact that if you are sitting in a bad position with your ribcage completely constrained, you can basically undo all that damage with four hours of gym or, you know, most of the times, even myself, we are on our phones when we are at the gym, so even less than four hours. So this is why it's important because... We spend so long in a seated position that um, if that's not aligned, if it's not healthy, then to repair that, it's going to be virtually impossible. So it's, it's a key pillar for us to, to adjust the space in which we spend most of our day during the working week. Okay, so we've covered our four now. Mental health, nutrition, lifestyle, ergonomics, posture. Last one. Exercise. Exercise. You see how... Society gives so much room for exercise when they talk about fitness and they say fitness, gym, exercise, gym. And wellness is so broad and is so much that exercise, in this case, it is what, 20%? 
if we distribute these parameters equally, which exercise is important because we need to understand um, what are the best practices for our age, for our lifestyle, for our goals, and that's when I personally come into play when teaching um, what sort of cardiovascular activities and with what intensities you should do according to my experience, um, how to practice resistance training, which is a key pillar of exercise because as we age, muscle mass, metabolism decreases at the rate of 10% every decade. So we need to do everything in our power to rebuild that muscle mass that time is stealing from us. So that's why it's important to understand that doing more is not better, smart is better, and we need to have a plan. So I am going to personally work on different programs for different demographics, psychographics, and wellnographics to make sure that it caters the needs of uh, as many sub-segments as possible. So, for example, you've got a 50-year-old um, that is working from home, often sitting in a chair, I'm asking for a friend, of course. What is the advice that you give to that that individual? Well, this might shock you, but I think um, our lives, uh, at least to the 90% of us, would drastically change if we do just two things. So instead of waking up and taking up our phone, going for a 30-minute walk and have some sunlight and going to bed at the same time every day. These are two things that are going to drastically change things, including your circadian rhythm. What would I recommend to someone that... Um, My friend. Yeah, your friend. Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing that I would suggest him is to move more. It's a key metabolic lever, which means that it's going to enhance and optimize your metabolism, which again, decreases as we age. Uh, second thing is, um, is a male, right? Uh, yes, he is my oh. friend, yes. So consume more protein, um, anywhere between... 1.6 and 2.2 grams per kilo body weight. If something, if there's something that I observe amongst 95% of my students that they underconsume protein. So protein and muscle are directly connected. So that's something that I would recommend. So raising awareness, I don't mean counting calories. I mean, you know, just have sufficient protein. Drink enough water, like most of us are dehydrated and we are hungry and the brain doesn't distinguish between thirst and hunger most of the time. We think it does, it doesn't. So if we hydrate ourselves, we'll be less hungry. So hydrate yourself. And the last one would be probably practice uh, mobility slash resistance training two to three times a week. Cool. Um, I'll tell my friend that. Yeah. Um, one of the things... <laughs> uh, he badly needs to hear it. Um, one of the things you were talking about earlier as well was like almost presenting all of this in a way that, you know, for, for first Abu Dhabi Bank employees, like in ways that they can actually bring all of this into their lives. Because that's often the challenge, as you say, there's all this information on Google, uh, you're going to be presenting them with new information. Um, how are you going to achieve that so that the employees can bring some of that practically into their daily lives? Well, there's one strategy that I plan to use, according to my experience, works very well. And it's an implementa implementation model that I took from Apple. Guess how? What phone do you have? I do indeed have an Apple. Okay. Yeah. You've probably heard of someone who loves the new iPhone and sleeps outside the iPhone store, right? The Apple store and sleeps there to get the last model. Well, there's 
these early adopters and they sort of drive momentum, right? So what I'm doing in this strategy is meeting people where they're at because I believe that wellness is cyclical. We have so much going on in our lives. The fact that you don't engage today doesn't mean that you will not engage in six months. So I'm going to meet people where they're at and I'm going to spend my energy and our resources in helping those people. Now, that drives momentum. And there is enough literature to sustain that once we reach the 16% of a certain population or segment, then is when momentum and the snowball gets so big that it automatically will build into a shifting culture. So my goal is to focus on, of course, offer this to everyone, but put that special focus who currently is not in need, but has the ability to act and then allow them to grow with us, being ambassadors of the initiatives and help them with the implementation. Because again, I wanted to come back to uh, why sort of why now? I mean, I've had uh, many conversations with people in fab, you know, um, first up at bank were one of the first banks in the region to sign up to the net zero banking alliance and they're incredibly strong on ESG. They're very passionate. They've got so many individuals inside the, the, the company that are passionate about ESG. Why now? I mean, you said the mission was to create the, one of the healthiest companies in the world. Why? It makes sense for many reasons. There is enough literature to support the fact that companies who have focused on wellness, they have, for instance, higher stock appreciation. Deloitte has um, basically shared a report on this where it was comparing companies with heavy investments on wellness and the rest of the companies in the SP500. So there was a clear appreciation. So from a business perspective, it makes sense. And if we understand, and as we go along and as we evolve, we understand that our people are the key lever that is going to drive um, an organization forward, then it makes sense also from a personal standpoint to give them the best resources and the best tools to you know, keep them happy install longevity in the workplace and going through a tangent now if you are a runner or if you are a bodybuilder um, or if you are a crossfit athlete it makes sense that you have the right nutrition the right recovery uh, the right um, sort of protocols in place for you to perform at your best yeah. i like to understand as ourselves as business athletes and what's our main muscle is the brain so wouldn't that make sense that we give our athletes the possibility of recovering well, of eating well, give them the tools and resources to avoid pain, which is responsible for 40% of the absenteeism nowadays, which is directly already a huge um, impact on anyone's bottom line. So wouldn't that make sense that we feed our main muscle with the right tools and resources to become effective and productive, which again will lead to fulfillment. If we catch this in the terms of a C-suite, um, often we've looked at the research and, for example, if you were to invest $100,000 in a piece of machinery, you wouldn't run that piece of machinery 24 hours a day until it broke. And increasingly, this, our brains, is the engine of economic output for, for, for companies. Is that, again, I want to get your thought on that statement, that again, wellness is simply good for business productivity and ultimately the bottom line, the P&L. First, um, because it demonstrates a duty to care, right? 
is uh, basically translating values into acts um, for much that you say if you don't do there might be some sort of skepticism around so it's a good way to communicate hey i really care second one talent retention and acquisition there is again um reports from mckinsey from 2020 and uh, they speak about the main reasons why people leave the companies and what would essentially make people go back to a sort of traditional form form of employment the reasons highlighted in that study i would say 70% of those i can you know share the sources but 70% of those were related to wellness. So that's why this is a huge lever, not only to retain people, but to attract talent because motivations nowadays go beyond remuneration. The consumer, the employee, people are becoming smart, uh, smarter. So they know that there's different ways to make a living. They can do their own thing. Online can open many doors. Talent has a choice these days. Exactly. So what would make these people go back to having a regular working hours, having to report to somebody. Well, there is safety and all those things, but the sense of belonging, community, and the fact that the company has something more to add than a paycheck for their not only career growth, but personal growth, that's huge. So we come back to culture that actually that if you, well, I saw two pieces of research recently. One that if the employee is engaged, the employee is engaged, sorry, um, they were 20% more productive. I saw a recent study, and this is actually quite interesting, that was by Gallup that said actually in the, U- the UEE, and this holds true for almost every market, we're losing $1.275 million an hour f- by d- through disengaged employees. And that actually 30% of employees are engaged in their workplace, which means that 70% are not. That seems to be a massive opportunity for the world of business to actually increase their metrics in a positive direction. Huge. And that goes back to presence. Presence can be tied into clarity, time management. What I see a lot, because I, with FitLife, I coach senior executives, C-level executives worldwide, CEOs, VPs, they're very busy. And what I have observed is that when they are at home, they still engage in work. So when they are at work, they feel guilty because it happens to me, by the way, because my wife tells me off because I'm not present or as present as I should be. That creates a feedback loop. So I end up not being present at home. I end up not being um, effective at work. Then when I'm at the gym, I'm thinking, okay, I should uh, be home with my kids because yesterday I was not present. So it's just a matter of time management and setting the right boundaries, which is is key nowadays, especially after COVID. I could genuinely talk to you and anyone who knows me uh, would tell you this uh, all day. However, um, unfortunately, the clock is against us. We always like to uh, finish up the podcast with some predictions and looking forward. So I guess I'm going to ask you some predictions I mean, my view is we're going to only going to see more wellness, not less wellness, particularly here in the UE and this region. What's your thoughts looking forward? And I guess you must be very excited about this, given that you've got the new role as the chief wellness officer at First Abu Dhabi Bank. Well, my predictions, um, I don't want to be overly ambitious, but I generally believe that we are going to be a pioneer and 
first movers in this matter in the region, 100%. Um, that's how much certainty I have of what we can bring to the table. Then my prediction, I was reflecting on this yesterday, uh, speaking to a colleague, and I told him, see, I think something to that we want to understand is what will be the role of the employer when it comes to wellness? Where does that role start and where does that role end? To me, just my opinion, just forecasting, um, the employer will be an enabler that is going to uh, have to facilitate tools and resources, mental space, um, financial resources uh, to basically implement. But it shouldn't be a controller. It should remain a choice because I generally believe that human beings, they say, um, or it's, it's, it's commonly said that they resist change. Um, I think that they resist or we resist being changed. We don't mind changing when there is a choice. Um, and with the right initiatives and the right mindset, the right beliefs and core values, the choice is always going to be positive. Perfect. Uh, Diego, thank you very much for your time. If you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I've enjoyed this conversation, please remember to subscribe to Thought Creators. Either, you know, click the box in YouTube or you can find us on all the, the podcast platforms of choice. Uh, once again, to my guest, Diego, thank, thank you, you so very much, much for joining us on Thought Creators. Welcome. All the best. Bye-bye. Thought Creators, the podcast for financial experts brought to you by FAB. FAB.